Good morning. You know, it's exciting to be a part of a church that lives by faith. And when you live by faith, that means you're making decisions for the future because of what you see and what you anticipate God doing and accomplishing in our life and in our ministry. I'm excited to let you know about some changes that we have made by faith. You know, if you notice, this part of the church is getting bigger. This is our uh, campus in our singles ministry. And Cheryl and I recently have asked Aaron and Lashana to devote 100% of their ministry time and attention to building our campus ministry. And they have accepted the challenge. And so they are going both guns blazing and going to build our campus ministry in a powerful way. And so we're excited about that. But you say, well, then who's going to lead the singles ministry? Well, we are excited to announce to the church that Kevin and Kelly Bloomfield are going to be leading our singles ministry. Stand on up. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And building Tonka trucks and doing graphic design work. So they're, they're not lessening their load any. They're just taking on the additional challenge of the singles ministry. So we're excited to uh, see them live by faith, excited for the church, and wanted to let you know about uh, what we're doing there. You know, there's a lot of discussion over the last few days about Noah. Probably uh, not as much discussion has happened about Noah in the last 50 years as it had happened in the last two days. As you know, Hollywood has just uh, put out their version of Noah. And uh, I've seen it. And other than making Christians and Jews extremely angry, if that was their goal, it worked. Um, it's somewhere between Lord of the Rings and Gladiator. Although I was waiting for Claudius Maximus Meridius to show up and be a man. No, Noah was not manly in their, in their movie. Um, don't recommend the movie. It's not biblical at all, except for that there was a flood and there was a man named Noah. Aside from that, they missed most of the details. But I figured, you know, with kind of all the talk, might be good to talk about Noah. We just don't want to talk about Hollywood's version of Noah. We want to talk about the real Noah, the one in the Bible. And in Hebrews chapter 11, this is the great roll call of faith, and the Bible's just going through hero after hero after hero. And here's what the writer of Hebrews had to say about Noah. By faith, Noah, did I tell you verse 7? Okay, verse 7. By faith, Noah, when warned about things not yet seen, in holy fear built an ark to save his family. By his faith, he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. You know, that's just one verse. 
Two sentences. That's all Noah got in the great roll call of faith. But if it wasn't for Noah, the human race wouldn't have survived. If it wasn't for Noah, you and I wouldn't have opportunity to be saved. The Bible simply says, by faith, Noah, when warned about things not yet seen. But what was it that was not seen? Rain. Rain had never fallen on the earth before. So when God told them it's going to rain, Noah had to ask, what's rain? Because nobody knew what that was. Everything was watered just by springs. God told Noah to build an ark. And the decades of his faithful service led to what you and I can now experience. I want to go back to Genesis and let's read the account. Genesis chapter 6. We're going to start in verse 5 and read down to verse 22. It says, The Lord saw how great man's wickedness on the earth had become, and that every inclination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil all the time. The Lord was grieved that he had made man on the earth, and his heart was filled with pain. So the Lord said, I will wipe mankind whom I have created from the face of the earth, men and animals and creatures that move along the ground and birds of the air. For I am grieved that I have made them. But Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. This is the account of Noah. Noah was a righteous man, blameless among the people of his time, and he walked with God. Noah had three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Now the earth was corrupt in God's sight and was full of violence. God saw how corrupt the earth had become, for all the people on earth had corrupted their ways. So God said to Noah, I'm going to put an end to all people, for the earth is filled with violence because of them. I am surely going to destroy both them and the earth. So make yourself an ark of cypress wood, make rooms in it, and coat it with pitch, inside and out. This is how you are to build it. The ark is to be 450 feet long, 75 feet wide, and 45 feet high. Make a roof for it and finish the ark to within 18 inches of the top. Put a door on the side of the ark and make lower, middle, and upper decks. I'm going to bring floodwaters on the earth to destroy all life under the heavens. Every creature that has the breath of life in it, everything on earth will perish. But I will establish my covenant with you, and you will enter the ark, you and your sons and your wife and your sons' wives with you. You are to bring into the ark two of all living creatures, male and female, and keep them alive with you. Two of every kind of bird, every kind of animal, and of every kind of creature that moves along the ground will come to you to be kept alive. You are to take every kind of food that is to be eaten and store it away as food for you and for them. Noah did everything just as God commanded him. A lot of grounds covered there. 
in Noah's life. He didn't wake up thinking that God was going to execute a plan that would involve him that would require years and years of hard labor to rescue a remnant, preserve God's people, to bring about salvation for you and I. First thing I want to look at is the character of Noah. It says, Noah was a righteous man, blameless among the people of his time. I want you to think about that for a moment, because what was the environment he's living in? We can look around at our society, and we think, wow, society's getting worse. We're no longer a Christian nation. We're a post-Christian nation. Society certainly doesn't live and support Christian values. There's a lot of opposition out there. And yet, the society that Noah lived in, God's description was every inclination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil all the time. That was Noah's peers. That was the city he lived in. That was the society he was in. And yet, the Bible says that Noah was a righteous man, blameless among the people. I can't imagine a more difficult situation to be righteous in. It'd be so easy to be tempted to compromise, to be worldly, to be faithless, to give up on God, to give in to greed, materialism, violence, all kinds of things going on. And yet the Bible says Noah was blameless amongst his people. Noah had incredible integrity. He stood for what is right day in and day out in a society that was completely opposed. He had no close allies. Nobody that supported his viewpoint and his faith. Say Noah was a hero. Noah was amazing in a very wicked Society. It's easy to see why God decided to use him. Another thing about his character, it says he walked with God. You know, if I could have God say anything about me, Ron walked with God. I'd go, that's enough. I don't need paragraphs. I don't need a book written about me. If, if, if God just said, you know what, I, I like Ron. He walks with me. That would be enough. Say, what, what a description to be known as a man who walked with God. They say, what was Noah's lineage? Well, his dad was Lamech, his grandfather was Methuselah, and his great-grandfather was Enoch. Now, you may remember Enoch. He was the guy that walked with God 300 years, and then God took him away. God just couldn't be away from him. You know, that was his great-granddad. Now, Noah didn't get to meet Enoch. But he got a lot of years, hundreds of years, with his grandfather and his dad. Hearing the stories about great-grandfather who walked with God. And Noah imitated that example. 
You know, how you live in your family will influence the next generation. And they're watching to see if you walk with God. They're watching to see how you handle life situations. Noah learned to walk with God from men who had gone before him. God came to him when he was 500 years old. Actually, it was after that because he had three sons. And so somewhere, maybe 525, 530, then God comes to him and he says, here's the plan. You need to build an ark. It's going to rain. It's going to flood this earth. And everybody's going to die. Except for the people who are in the ark. Verse 22, Noah did everything just as God commanded him. You know, you read that one line and you go, okay, that's why God picked Noah. But you think about it. He walked with God. He had the faith. He was righteous in a wicked generation. And God gave him an incredible challenge. And it says he did everything just as the Lord commanded. Noah had incredible faith, righteousness, integrity, relationship with God, and obedience. You know, in just a few short verses, it's easy to see why God said, there's the guy I'm going to use. The character of Noah is one worthy of imitation. That's why he's in the great roll call of faith in Hebrews 11. Because God will challenge us to do things by faith. He will not qualify it. He will not give us further explanation. He will just say, here's what I want you to do by faith. And you now have the choice to respond. I think about the next phase after his character. Then there's the construction. Say, how long did it take Noah to build the ark? Well, 75 years or less. Roughly. The Bible doesn't tell us exactly. I can tell you they didn't have, you know, the rock people who were kind of like the Ents in Lord of the Rings. Um, I don't know if they were supposed to be the Nephilim or whatever, but they didn't have these like rock giants cutting wood for him. That's what they had in the movie. No, no, I had to do the work himself. You, you didn't go to the lumber yard and buy all your finished lumber and screws and your Makita power drills and saws and you had your blueprints laid out and it was just kind of like paint by numbers, you know. God said, step one, put this board here. Step two, put this board here. It, it didn't work that way. Progress was slow and it was tedious. And I want to uh, go over, you can mark this in Genesis, but I want to go over briefly to First Peter chapter three. Let you into the uh, heart of God here a little bit. 
We're going to come back to this verse later, but I just want to read the first part of this. We're going to start in chapter 3, verse 18 of 1 Peter 3. It says, For Christ died for sins once for all, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. He was put to death in the body, but made alive by the Spirit, through whom also he went and preached to the spirits in prison, who disobeyed long ago when God waited patiently in the days of Noah while the ark was being built. In it, only a few people, eight and all, were saved through water. Now, did you catch the heart of God in there? He said, how did God wait? Patiently. Why did God have to be patient? Because Noah had to build an ark. It took years and years, decades upon decades. And God had his plan, and he's ready to execute his plan. But he's relying on Noah to build the ark. And so every time Noah would cut a board and he'd get it all ready and he thought, okay, this is going to fit perfectly in there. And then you go and the board's two inches too short. You know, if you're building the boat, you don't just, you know, say, let's just put a little duct tape in here. It'll be fine. You really want the boards to fit just right. And you wonder how many hours, days, weeks, months did Noah spend on activities that ended up being an absolute waste? You know, students, you ever have one of those assignments that you look at and you just know this one's really difficult and is really going to test, you know, the boundaries of your knowledge in that subject? And you sit down and you try and do the homework and you spend 30 minutes and you spend an hour and you spend two hours and sometimes you spend five or ten hours and you get done and you go, I didn't accomplish a single thing. You know, sometimes parenting can feel that way. We've had this talk again and again and again. Hours. And it hasn't accomplished anything. Sometimes your marriage can feel that way. We had an argument about the same thing again. It was over the same issue. And we get help, and then we do it again. And all this time is spent, and we didn't accomplish anything. Maybe you get a project at work and say, you got a deadline and you worked on it and you worked on it and you worked on it. Nothing. It was a failure. And you go, I just spent days or weeks and it was a failure. You know, life is full of short boards. And the problem is, 
He had to do all the work to figure out it didn't fit right. And wouldn't it be great to know ahead of time, no, don't bother with that board. Because it's not going to fit. No, it just doesn't work that way. You know, 2 Peter 2, verse 5, you can just write that reference down. It's talking about the judgment of angels and different things like that. But in that verse 5, it says, Noah, a preacher of righteousness. And that's a description about Noah. You say, well, what's, what was Peter talking about there? Like, was Noah preaching a sermon while he built the ark? Yes, he was. You say, what was the sermon? The sermon was of impending judgment. The sermon was that God is upset by the violence and the wickedness and the evil in the heart of mankind. And that if you want to be saved, you've got to be on the ark. Can you imagine what the conversations went with Noah and his peer group? You know, it wasn't small. One and a half football fields long. Roughly half a football field wide. It wasn't small. It didn't, you know, you know, just in the back corner lot behind the shed, you know, you're building a cabinet. No, you're building an ark. People saw it. Hey, Noah, what are you doing? Building an ark. What's an ark? It's a big boat. Why? Because it's going to rain. What's rain? Well, I don't know. But God told me that it's going to happen and rain's going to come out of the sky. Don't you know his peer group walked away and was like, I don't know what Noah's smoking. But Noah's got issues. You know what the conversations went like. And yet Noah preached a sermon day after day, week after week, month after month, year after year, as he continued to build the ark. You know, in the beginning, when we read that verse in Hebrews 11, it says, By his faith he condemned the world, but he became the heir of righteousness. You see, when you preach a sermon, it's impossible to stay neutral. You cannot build an ark without the sermon of judgment. And we live in a society that the thing that they get the most miffed about is anything that resembles drawing a line in the sand. Society can tolerate anything except for drawing a line in the sand. But you cannot stand for something. You cannot say that there's a truth without defining what is false. You can't build an ark without believing that there's going to be a flood. And you cannot build a Christian life without believing the non-Christian life is wrong and sinful and does not lead to heaven. 
You can't have the one without the other. You cannot have the sermon of a Christian life without believing what Christianity stands for. You know, I think about God waiting patiently, putting up with Noah. You've got to think, okay, what's, what's God thinking? Noah's working on a board. He's trying to get it finished, and God's sitting there like, it's not going to fit. And who knows how long it took him to finish that board, and God's like, nah, this isn't going to work. Noah, you, you need a different board. And Noah's still working away. You know, it's, it's amazing that an infinite God would use a shipbuilder like Noah But it's just as amazing that an infinite God would use imperfect people like you and I to proclaim Christianity in the society that we live. As far as the Bible tells us, Noah got no reinforcement from the beginning command to once the ark was finished. So what about us? What do we need along the way? I mean, I like to be encouraged. If I get off base, I'd like to have a little direction in there. For all we know, there may have been like a year, two or three or five where Noah's like, I'm tired of building this boat. Bible didn't record any of that. At best, all we could do is speculate. But what is recorded as he was told to build the ark, and the Bible says he did everything exactly as the Lord commanded. You know, our eagerness, our motivation, our focus, we can start great, and then we can waver, and we can get tired. But the ark needs to be built. And all we know is that Noah did everything just as the Lord commanded. And God waited patiently. Through all the short boards, all the slow progress, all the failures, God said, I'll wait. And Noah got it finished. Third thing I want to look at is the conclusion. Go go back to Genesis chapter 7. Verse 11. In the 600th year of Noah's life, on the 17th day of the second month, on that day all the springs of the great deep burst forth, and the floodgates of the heavens were opened, and rain fell on the earth 40 days and 40 nights. On that very day Noah and his sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth, together with his wife and the wives of his three sons, entered the ark. They had with them every wild animal according to its kind, all livestock according to their kinds, every creature that moves along the ground according to its kind, and every bird according to its kind. Everything with wings. Pairs of all creatures that have the breath of life in them came to Noah and entered the ark. The animals were going in, male and female, and every living thing as God had commanded Noah. Listen to this one. Then the Lord shut him in. The Bible says that Noah was to build the ark with the door in the side of it. 
God brings all the animals, all the birds, all the insects, the creepy crawly things, all that, and they all get on the ark. And you wonder, you wonder what Noah was thinking. You know, seven days before, when he told them, okay, now in seven days the flood's coming and the animals need to get on the ark, all these years Noah has spent building an ark for a flood, a rainstorm that God told him about decades ago. And sometimes as life goes, you can have doubts and you can wonder, did I really hear God? Is this really what he wanted me to do? Was it worth it? Maybe I've labored in vain. You wonder what his neighbors were saying. Hey, Noah, where's the flood? Your boat's done. You said there was going to be a flood. Where's the flood? See, I told you there's no flood. Been telling you that for decades. There's no flood. Why'd you spend all this time serving God, building an ark? I told you it was a waste. Should have used your time for something else. He says, then the Lord shut him in. Say, I want to see the true video of what that looked like. What, was there a hand? Like, how, did the door just close and then God sealed it from the outside? Like, what was that process? But there was a door... And it closed. And the Bible says the Lord shut him in. And I want you to picture for a moment the people watching. And I want you to picture for a moment Noah and his family standing near the door. And all of a sudden, the door moves. The door shuts. I think both sides of the door had people with a lump in their throat. I think both sides of the door had people going, Oh my, what's happening? But once the door was shut, it was too late. You know, they had this guy, Tubal Cain, who's in the Bible, but not in the blood story of Noah hacking his way with the hatchet through the, the wall of the ark and got in. No. I'm, I'm telling you, if you want to just get mad, if you just feel like, I just want to be really angry, watch it. It's not all that particularly inspiring when you're going to preach a sermon on Noah, but it, you know, it just made me mad. Like, ah, I can't believe it. But there was a conclusion. And the preacher of righteousness had been building the ark for years and years and years. And it had been dismissed. And dismissed. And dismissed. And then the Lord shut him in. He said the floodwaters came down in, uh, 
It says every living thing perished in verse 23. Every living thing on the face of the earth was wiped out. Men and animals and the creatures that move along the ground and the birds of the air were wiped from the earth. Only Noah was left and those with him in the ark. Now, sometimes we can get accused of being narrow-minded. To say that you have to be a Christian, you have to do it the Bible way. Yeah, I'd say right here, pretty narrow. Only eight. Only eight made it in the ark. And I want to go back to that verse in 1 Peter 3. And read more about the conclusion. It says, we'll start again in verse 18 to pick up the context. It says, for Christ died for sins once for all, the righteous for the unrighteous to bring you to God. He is put to death in the body, but made alive by the Spirit, through whom also he went and preached the spirits in prison, who disobeyed long ago when God waited patiently in the days of Noah while the ark was being built. In it, the ark that Noah built, in it, only a few people, eight in all, were saved through water. Well, how were the eight saved? Through water, the ark floated. And they didn't die with the corrupt, sinful earth. They were saved through water. Verse 21, and this water, what water? The flood waters of Noah. This water symbolizes baptism That now saves you also. Not the removal of dirt from the body, but the pledge of a good conscience toward God. It saves you by the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who has gone into heaven and is at God's right hand with angels, authorities, and powers in submission to him. You know, the ark was about salvation. The ark was built to be the avenue of rescue. For God's people, unfortunately, there were only eight that were in the ark. But there was a message in the flood of Noah, not just for the people of that day, but for you and me. Because the conclusion has stayed the same. There will be a judgment for those who are not saved. But for you and I, it's not about the ark anymore. That was a shadow. Say, what's the reality in Christian baptism? It says the floodwaters of Noah were symbolic of Christian baptism. That now saves you also. People say, I wish there was just a verse that said you need to be baptized that that shows that baptism saves you. That's exactly what Peter is saying. Now, I I've had people show me this verse to say, see, baptism's a symbol. No, that's not what it says. It says the floodwaters of Noah are a symbol of baptism. Just because baptism and symbol are in the same sentence doesn't mean it says what people want to make it say. No, Peter says baptism saves you. 
Now, lest we think we can just take somebody, heave him in a swimming pool and go, oh, you're baptized, you're saved. He goes, no, it's not the removal of dirt from the body. It's the pledge of a good conscience toward God. Your heart's got to be in the right place. Your faith's got to be in the right place. But baptism is an essential part of salvation. And you can't have your sins forgiven without it. You know, every once in a while you study the Bible with somebody and they, they, they say, well, I don't believe baptism saves you. And I write that down. Baptism does not save you, and I sign their name. And then I write, 1 Peter 3, 21, Baptism saves you, and I write, Apostle Peter. Then you go, let's see, who am I going to go by? Your opinion or Peter? You know, I'm proud of one of our campus sisters. She's down in San Diego now, but Monica Orozco student down at San Diego State. But last Friday, got to baptize one of her friends that she met at campus and got to baptize her up in Antelope Valley. He said, why is that? Because Monica's life was an ark. She built it, and her friend was impacted and wanted to study the Bible and become a Christian. You see, Monica is a preacher of Righteousness. You know, you can't ever convince anyone to get saved unless they understand that they're lost. Now, I don't, you know, I don't really want to encourage you to walk around on the street and go, Hey, I just want to let you know you're lost. Please become saved. I tried that as a young Christian with my parents. It was very ineffective. It just made them mad and I couldn't have a spiritual talk with them for four years. That doesn't work. There can't be an ark without a flood. There can't be salvation unless there's a need of salvation. We started in Hebrews 11, the great roll call of faith. It says, Noah, when warned about things not yet seen, in holy fear, built an ark. question I have for you this morning is what will you do? Say, there's a flood coming. Oh, it's not going to be a worldwide devastation flood. It might be a big earthquake. The, uh, the plates are ramping up. A lot of people thought about God after the earthquake in Northridge. You know, there will be a judgment. Say, society needs Noah today. Say, who's God calling to be Noah? You. What's he want you to build? A Christian life. It's an ark. You know what? It takes time. And you're going to make mistakes. And you're going to work hard on something. And it's going to fail. God waits patiently. You keep doing your part. God will use you. You know, one of the greatest dangers we have of thinking we have tomorrow. We're not guaranteed tomorrow or next week or next month or next year. And we may endure opposition for what we believe, 
We will not fit into the society. We're going to stick out just like a big boat in the middle of a forest. You can't be a Christian and blend in. You can't build an ark and blend in. But God is calling you to be a man or woman of faith. And build a life that's going to save people around you. You know what? All of Noah's hard work paid off when the flood came. But I don't know what you're going through in your life right now. I don't know what your situations are. But there's an ark near you. And God is saying, hey, come on in. It's not about a wooden boat. It's about salvation through Jesus Christ. And you've got to have faith. And you've got to repent of your sins. And you need to be baptized if you want to make it. Because there will come a time where, just like with Noah, where the Lord will shut him in. And at that point, it's too late. And I pray for each one of us. Build a life that can bring others along with you. Let's not be afraid to stand up the way Noah did. It's a righteous man in an evil generation. And stand for what's right and live for what's right and not worry about blending in. But love people. Be a man or woman of great faith. And let's imitate Noah. Not the Noah on the big screen. The Noah in the book. And I love how John Lusk put it after he uh, leads the Denver church. And he was uh, equally angry after seeing that movie. And his quote on Facebook or whatever just said, read the book. It's better. Good way to put it. Do not be swayed. Have great faith. Stand for something. Because other people's lives are counting on it. Amen. Let's close with the final song.